Welcome to On a High, a show about the intersection of cannabis, beauty, fashion, and wellness. I'm your host, Michelle Bilodeau. And I'm your host, Donna Bishop. On a High is produced and distributed by Business of Cannabis, the award-winning media company that provides insight into the companies, brands, people, and trends driving the global cannabis industry. Find out more about Business of Cannabis at businessofcannabis.ca. Hey, Donna. Hi, Michelle. How's it going? It's going well. How are you? Good, thanks. Good. So you know what I've been thinking about Mm. is I think it's really interesting. And Business of Cannabis has talked to these guys many times. Um, I think it's interesting the people that are moving from the fashion space and Mm -hmm. other industries, but fashion in particular, into the cannabis space. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you look at brands like Bebo, um, you know, founders Scott Campbell and Clement Kwan both come from the fashion industry. Um, even Tiffany Chin, who is uh, the co-founder of Leafs by Snoop or LBS in Canada, she was on Snoop's kind of general business team. She wasn't necessarily uh, in the cannabis space before she came over. So I find that very interesting that these kind of creative minds are now moving into the cannabis space. Well, and I wonder what links them together, because I think when we are at the like really at the very beginning of a category, mm-hmm. um, it takes a certain kind of mindset to be able to like see into the future. And I think cannabis, we'll see it be a little bit like tech or like veganism, where it mm-hmm. starts small, but the people who are at the forefront know that it's going to grow and kind of permeate. Exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. It is interesting to see that. I mean, we've also spoken with uh, Sam Cho, who was in the beauty business for a long time. He was at L'Oreal. Now he's kind of, he's uh, a consultant with Global Cannabinoid. So I think there's really, yeah, I think you nailed it. There's a certain type of brain that can kind of handle or figure out how to look at things from a macro level and kind of see where they're going to go. Um, they're looking down the highway like so far ahead, you know? I think our guests today are going to be two of those people. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So today we have Lydia Poloski. Uh, she's the content strategist at Oxley Brands. So she's responsible for some of their brands, including Collab Project. Um, but Lydia previously has worked on uh, Toronto fashion brand Grays. She's worked with B Yoga. So she has that kind of lifestyle fashion background, which we are really interested in. Well, and joining her is Uxley, Uxley's design director, Matt Boyd. And he comes from a very deep graphic design and art director background. And some of the brands he's worked with that I think are particularly interesting are Vans, mm-hmm. Stussy. Um, he's worked with some, you know, more more corporate organizations as yeah. well. But I think having that insight of design across many different platforms and categories and how that relates to their work at Oxley will be fascinating. Yeah. And I think it lends really well to this new space that is cannabis. Agreed. Yeah. Lydia and Matt, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Happy to be here. Thanks for coming. So one of the many cool things that uh, is happening within the cannabis space and and with Uxley that we wanted to talk to you guys about is this notion of it being a precipice moment, which is, I think, a term I'm going to use over and over (laughs) again. It rolls off my tongue very easily. Um, Lydia, you have been at these sorts of forefronts of several industries. Can you talk a little bit about the precipice moment of cannabis and, and how you see 
design and fashion, you know, influencing moving forward from here? Definitely. Um, so just to give some history to, I guess, our listeners, I had previously worked in tech in some creative agencies. And I, for a long time, I really thought that like tech and startup life was what I was built to do. And that's what I was really looking forward to. And that's what I was really drawn to and attracted to. Um, but the further along in my career that I went, I actually realized I was more interested in setting frameworks and exploring new ideas and just being around people who are equally curious as I am. And that's kind of just naturally how I ended up in the cannabis space, to be completely honest. Um, I identified that this was a huge opportunity, not only for myself, but, you know, globally in our country and every single person on the Oxley team, you know. Um, so it's just really attractive. And how has your experience working in creative and marketing for magazines as well as with those other startups influenced what you're doing within the cannabis space? How are you bringing those words? those worlds together. Yeah, it's funny. So Matt and I were having this conversation yesterday, obviously, to try and uh, quickly prepare ourselves for this podcast. <laughs> um, but I think a huge, a huge point of fascination for me personally is the fact that we're really seeing the idea of like cannabis culture disappear because it's just being dissipated and introduced, reintroduced into just regular everyday culture. Um, and so I think that we're really inspired to sort of bridge the gap between you know, like there's no such thing as like a, a fringe community anymore surrounding cannabis. Um, it's very much a part of most people's everydays. And what that person looks like is so varied, right? Like every single person could be a cannabis user. And um, the idea of who uses cannabis and why is really expanding, especially because of legalization and destigmatization and just like more widespread normalization. And so if we think about cannabis in that way and through just like an everyday cultural lens we're like yeah of course we want to work on like the breaking ideas like who's driving innovation who's coming up with really cool ideas and that's not limited to within our industry mm -hmm. yeah. absolutely and matt can you talk a little bit about your experience and how that now plays into the cannabis space and working at oxley yeah absolutely i think uh you know working in in branding in particular for such a long time you're often uh, approached by clients who have particular problems that they want to solve, whether they're starting up as a small business or a much larger business that needs to reshape because of some sort of legal change or uh, some sort of reposition in the market. And in this case, with something so wide open as cannabis, it was really uh, a fascinating challenge because you're just jumping into something that's completely wide open. And especially right now when, when things haven't really been established and the foundations are so, you know, up in the air, to come in and, and uh, put your stake in the ground and really kind of form, uh, give, give a visual form to uh, something that hasn't really had so much legitimacy in the past is really interesting. Obviously, cannabis culture and it's kind of like uh, the subcultures that have existed in the, in the, in the past have had very kind of vibrant visual cultures as well. And now when you're trying to essentially bring it to a larger audience, uh, make it more formal and bring those types of structures and hierarchies to it is a really interesting challenge from a designer's point of view. Well, and when I think of um, Collab and Foray, to name just two of, mm. the, of the brands that you have, uh, there's such a, a clean aesthetic to them like you can like the design is is evident there it doesn't feel fringy Shout no, out definitely to our design not. director yeah <laughs> <laughs> can you talk a little bit about like what like what does define a a like a subculture or a fringe design and and how do you you know maybe reference that or or maybe not to mm -hmm. bring it into a more mainstream place with those with those brands yeah i mean i think that's kind of hard to answer because 
like cannabis cu- culture and subculture in the past has been so accumulative over such a long time. You know, I think you know now, especially, I see a lot of referential design to the '60s and to like this kind of California hippie era, which you know is is beautiful and, yeah. it's and an very easy exuberant, mark though, right? It is, yeah. And I think you know, especially growing up and like learning from sub uh, subcultures like skateboarding and all that stuff, you see that stuff everywhere, like smiley faces and uh, you know acid house references and 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 other drug cultures that were associated with cannabis in the past. And uh, my background, uh, you know, I went to a very kind of uh, through through pretty formal training through graphic design, a very like Swiss model from from uh, in German from the Bauhaus, which is pretty typical for design. But uh, learning from a very structured background like that, uh, and also being influenced by you know those kind of looser uh, subcultures, was a really interesting mix. But uh, with Colab in particular, like we took our we took our cues from like information. Basically, we wanted to strip down everything as much as possible, and uh, I think a lot of that came from having to develop something in a really restrictive environment, almost prohibitive environment for branding, where you know even regulations come out have come out recently where you know you can't put uh, a branded element. Uh, in anything larger than four inches wide. So really that does kind of limit you. Yeah, you're in a box quite yeah. literally. <laughs> and to be honest, I think uh, seeing a lot of what the other other uh, industry players were doing, which was really just taking their logo and sticking it on different pieces of merchandise, we we wanted to do something that was a bit uh, performative every time. So each, each article that came to us that needed to be collab branded didn't necessarily just need a logo stuck on it. It was like, how do we, you know, translate this and put this through a, a filter that that collab would, you know, what is the collab version of that thing? So even with uh, some of our apparel designs, we're not necessarily just putting a logo on a T-shirt the way Nike or or any other company would. We're trying to create something um, that's unique each time. Can you talk a bit more about what that process is? Like, what's the mm. collab filter? Yeah, I mean. It's kind of evolved pretty naturally over time, um, and, and I can talk a little bit about this too, uh, which which I find really interesting is that in, in a lot of branding projects, you're kind of given a project, you design it, and you hand it off back to another team or an ad agency that's going to roll it out for you. And in this case, we're kind of entrenched in the company, and we can actually uh, progress and develop alongside the brand. So we're really there as, uh, to guide it through. Uh, which is a really nice thing, and in this case with Colab, things have evolved pretty pretty naturally um, by stripping things down and being very informational. We wanted to develop something like a part numbering system each time. What's so, that? So rather than having like a, a logo on something, each each uh, each piece, whether it's a storage container, a shirt, or a grinder, or something that has been custom designed for Colab. Uh, Instead of a logo, we'll use basically a series of numbers that kind of signify whether it's you know merch or or an accessory. Uh, some of the numbers from say the SKU of, that we're pulling from a vendor or something like that. So it's not necessarily a logo or brand, but it's definitely recognizable that it belongs to Colab. Yeah, it's part of the Colab system for sure. Yeah, I mean it's very abstract, but I think that that's actually really an interesting part of it too. That it's not something that's 
obviously belonging to a certain brand. But if someone knows Colab or has kind of experienced something from our brand before, they're able to recognize and uh, associate, you know, a color or a or a typeface, and and that all kind of becomes part of Colab as well. And I think that ties in nicely to our next question. So we wanted to know. What are the differences and similarities of working in a life in the lifestyle space like you guys did before to now working in cannabis? <laughs> Do you want to field this question, Matt? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's difficult because I mean we we have a lot of conversations with uh, regulation experts who are you know lifestyle is a very bad word and when it comes to the cannabis industry. So how do we do that um, in a way that's not overt and Typically, uh, the things that you see going on in the industry, not to be disparaging of, of competition, but they are very kind of standard entry-level entry lifestyle cues. You know, it's like if it's a female-focused brand, there's pictures of, you know, people doing yoga in, a, in front of a sunset or something like that. It's, it's, a, it's almost, uh, well, it's a little... It's very one-dimensional. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's disappointing in, in a lot of ways, too. And a little too on point, like yeah. a little obvious. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say for me, not to cut you off, but sort of no, jumping ahead. off that point, um, one of the most intriguing challenges or opportunities, I guess, within our space is the fact that we don't really have any benchmarks to look at right now. And we do kind of get to set the precedent for so many people to, I don't want to say follow in our footsteps, because I, I think, you know, that's glamorizing our jobs a little bit too much but um <laughs> we're definitely like the work that we're doing right now will impact not only our brands for the next you know one year two years five years ten years because hopefully they'll last for that long um and be recognized 10 years from now but we're also definitely shaping everybody around us mm. and because it's such a new industry there's all eyes on each other at all times and it's very quickly that you see you know homogeny really stand out and so when we've been working on collab um, it's been a really exciting opportunity because it has been a little bit divisive and it has um, to some people who are maybe not as informed or, or not in the thick of it as we are. It's a little bit, um, you know, like esoteric or it's a little bit confusing or it's a little bit intriguing. It's a, there's definitely a reaction that it's eliciting. Mm -hmm. um, and that in itself has been a huge success. I think for 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 better or worse, you know, if, if collabs memorable, that's great. We mm -hmm. take it as a win on our team. Awesome. And that memorable, that not memorabilia, that me that ability to be me memorable, memorable. <laughs> I need another coffee, apparently. Um, how does how does merch fit into that? Because I think, you know, Colab does have apparel hmm. and merch is something that we see in all kinds of lifestyle categories. As Justin a Bieber has his own merch line, yeah. right? Yeah. Why is that an important tool for for Colab? Yeah, I think it's I think it's definitely important. Um, you know, I I remember reading something like uh, like with uh, one of Drake's last tours, like he made more money on merchandise sales than he did on ticket sales. You know, people want to have something to hold on to with something like that, and I think even with cannabis, it's a fairly ephemeral thing, um, especially without uh, or sorry, with in in a space where you can't advertise and you can't have you know larger campaigns or other touch points. Like having something that someone can wear and carry that with them is a, is hugely important to us. Um, and, and even with Collab opening uh, our first retail location in Saskatchewan. That to us as a as a brand touchpoint is is massively important, and um, it's a cool space. It looks yeah. like a laundromat. <laughs> yeah, it's so yeah. cool. 
Can you talk a little bit about the design of that space, please? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, th- you know, uh, we're we're still a fairly small team uh, at Oxley, and we are we are managing and designing uh, four brands right now, kind of developing the foundations for all four of them, and so we've had to rely a lot on. Um, other expertise, and we've had to really trust uh, in the people we're collaborating with. And in this case, we reached out to uh, a friend of ours, Emil, who we'd kind of been looking for an excuse to work with, uh, who's designed some beautiful spaces for Campari, uh, their offices here in Toronto, for example, and uh, really looked to him to kind of shape a vision for what the, th- the three-dimensional form of Colab would be. And so after, you know, this was... Um, almost a year ago. So even even in in these fast moving uh, times for <laughs> for cannabis branding, Colab was still fairly infantile at that point. And we had kind of set foundations and we kind of set like a path that we wanted to go on. And after having a lot of discussions with him, he took that away and presented a bunch of options to us. Um, and I think one of the th- main things that he picked up on, and one of the things that we had all talked a lot about, was the fact that. This was going to be in Saskatchewan, in in Lloydminster, a border town between Saskatchewan and Alberta. You know, and as a creative team working in Toronto, how do we do something that is sensitive to that context? Um, and I think at an early stage, we talked a lot about whether we should just you know put up a store, just put something up. Let's do it fast and quick. Uh, let's open and start making sales. We don't necessarily know the market there. We don't really know what to anticipate. Or the, on the flip side, do we do something a little bit more calculated? Do we take the time, design something that we would ourselves would want to see uh, and where we ourselves would want to shop? And I think by choosing that direction, uh, something that was really representative of Colab and something that was special, uh, we ended up with this really beautiful store that looks like a you know very modern retail location just kind of dropped into the middle of, uh, of Lloydminster. Um, I mean, we talked a lot about like the, the Marfa store in, uh, or sorry, the, the Prada, Prada store, store in Marfa. Marfa yes. Yeah. Uh, just as an example of kind of like this strange beacon in the middle of, uh, an area where, you know, a lot of traffic isn't really seeing that type of retail space. And it was, it was a calculated risk, I think at the time, and we weren't really sure what the reception would be, but so far it's been, uh, really positive. And I think that what we've learned is that. Yes, that might not exist in Lloydminster right now outside of the store, but I think people really appreciated the effort that went into providing them with something that they don't usually have access to, uh, which was pretty gratifying. I guess going back to, so your original question was about the the laundromat, and I think that is actually also part of the context. Uh, you know, it's in, a, it's in a strip mall, very unassuming strip mall with a 7-Eleven at one end and, a, you know, a collab store at the other. So we really wanted it to blend with its surroundings a little bit. And then I think a, a laundromat definitely belongs in a strip mall. Uh, and we've had people come into the store with their laundry and kind of been a little nonplussed that, they're, <laughs> that they can't do their whites or whatever. So, <laughs> To add on to that, you mentioned Prada Marfa. Um, mm-hmm. Where else do you guys draw inspiration from when you're designing? Yeah, I mean, I think it's from all over. Uh, I think... You know, being uh, being a designer, being interested in fashion or clothes, or even you know 
what I'd like to think is conscientious consumption. You know, you look at things and you 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 can tell their quality, and you you're really gathering inputs from all over the place. So, um, I would say more broadly, I think uh, fashion and design from Europe, uh, visiting and exploring retail locations in New York and LA, and and seeing. Uh, just like what these top brands are doing, you know, global brands are doing in in very high traffic, uh, high com- high competitive environments are doing, um, and I think that that really kind of spurs us on uh, to look for things that are at an international standard rather than a Canadian standard or even like a cannabis standard, uh, and so really having a broad outlook about what we're looking for in terms of what's going to influence us. Oh, I was yeah. just going to jump off that point a little bit, um, specifically with Lab One, the collab project store, um, and even just sort of more broadly, the the Oxley mentality. Um, I think especially because it's such a new industry, um, there's a lot of backwards looking, like everybody is looking at like data and insights and research, and they're trying to formulate what their educated guess could be. But I think a lot more of the successes in this industry, and specifically like even with our store, has been sort of to look forward, right? And see those future trends and see, you know, what stones have been lined up that we can, you know, jump across the pond on kind of thing. Um, because there's really, there's no value to looking backwards if the future is so unknown, you know? And so taking these calculated risks and sort of identifying, you know, which ideas are early adapters, innovators, trailblazers versus, you know, who's just transmitting culture once they've already absorbed it has been has been huge in the way that we've worked and thought about things. Are there any specific stones that you're hopping across that you can, <laughs> you know, kind of drill it down a little mm. bit more for us? Are there any specific examples of how you're forward looking? Uh, we definitely, def- I mean, I don't know how much I can say, but I can say that we are really excited to explore any way to get an ASMR video made for Collab. <laughs> That's so cool. I, Lydia, I'd like to jump back to another piece of your experience, which totally. was working with the fashion line Greys. Yes. And they were kind of at the forefront of, of their brand and whatnot. How are you pulling from experience with working like a fashion brand? into collab or the other Oxley brands? Knowing your audience extremely well. I think that's really what it like boils down to. And knowing that whoever your audience is, um, there's so many facets to that person. Um, I think it's really easy, especially within the creative and marketing spaces to sort of you know, you go into any ad agency, they're like, oh, here's your demographic, person one, person two, person three, and then just leave it at that and really... Um, and trying to attract and work for those kinds of people. But I think there's real value in understanding that, you know, the woman who goes to work nine to five also has a life and is doing stuff five to nine and sort of really thinking beyond the single purpose use or function for what you're working on. Even within cannabis, uh, you know, the same person who might use or consume cannabis to fall asleep at night could be the same person who's going out and partying on a Friday with that. And so understanding that there's such need for flexibility and versatility in all that you're doing, I think, is my main main lesson. Yeah. And are you using partnerships as a way to expand that that lens? Oh, a thousand percent. And also just uh, to go back to sort of the regulations that we were talking about earlier, partnerships is obviously a very strategic way to do that because the way that we're able to advertise and market ourselves within the space is so limited. 
Um, and that's also, again, you know, why we have merch and why we have a beautiful store and why we're trying to get people's eyes and attention and why we're on this podcast, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I think in a way that actually ties very nicely into the fashion and beauty space because you see all these amazing collaborations happening in those arenas right now, too. So for you guys to bring that into cannabis, I think is very smart. Mm, yeah. Absolutely. I think a lot of our a lot of the collaborators that we've worked with so far and that we are hoping to work with in the future are really people we've just admired ourselves. And, you know, at the at the outset, we're really having to look at our immediate surroundings and, you know, uh, friends or acquaintances we hadn't really had the chance to get to know or or whose work we've kind of observed from afar and really appreciated and wanted to bring them in and, and have those kinds of inputs. Being a small, versatile team, you need those kinds of trust, uh, trust foundational relationships. Um, and I think really kind of spreading... Um, our brand messaging through their platforms as well is really helpful. Uh, I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, being uh, self-editing as well. Like who we're choosing to work with is just as important as the product we're putting out. Um, Hopefully by choosing the right people, the product itself will be good no matter what. And uh, that's that's been a pretty key part of part of collab. I mean, it, it's, it's part of the name in a sense, and it was actually a, a larger initiative near the beginning of the brand, but it's still maintained throughout everything we're doing. Even if they're not, you know, large splashy collaborations, there's still people we're choosing to work with to develop stores, to develop products, those types of things. Fashion influencers are so often used to help move a brand or a category forward. Is that something you guys are looking at as well? Or are there people from the fashion world that you have or would like to collab with? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, uh, I think Lydia is probably more <laughs> capable of answering uh, the influencer and the social media management yeah, it's, component it's a, of that. It's a funny it's a funny thing right now because I think obviously with the rise of social media and just, you know, how brands interact on social media, it's such a natural extension to just be like, oh, that person has 50,000 followers and I can pay them to sort of talk about my brand. We should just do that. But because we can't really do that, we can't do that in our space. We have to hope that people organically engage with our brand. And I mean, yes, like part of the collab ethos is definitely, you know, making high quality stuff and championing like fashion uh, forward looking design and, you know, really aiming for that level of quality and esteem. But also part of it is wanting to make really great stuff so people want it and people want to talk about it. Um, like the fact, like all of our collab shirts, we were uh, produced in collaboration with um, Tomo, who is somebody who has worked previously on Reigning Champs and OVO. And he's someone that we are so proud and honored to have like in our wheelhouse, mm-hmm. if you want to expand on that at yeah, all. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we, we were looking for a partner in that specific area who was familiar um, and and, an expert in uh, dealing with apparel and sourcing and production and all of those kind of more technical nitty-gritty things, but also who had, you know, a a certain taste level and an interest and a following of his own. He has his own line, W. Crow, which uh, is based in Toronto as well and and has a pretty good following and, and is actually quite interesting stuff. And, you know, a lot of the stuff we're developing right now is a bit more straightforward it's like you know the you know typical t-shirts hoodies those kinds of things but we're hoping to expand it into a much 
much broader line, even even uh, develop some items specifically for Lloyd Minster that are probably a little bit more sensitive for that audience too that might not be interested in, I guess, what, what you might consider like streetwear-inspired design. Um, and we're hoping that some of those things translate between Lloyd Minster and, and you know, more urban environments. Things we're hoping like, for a real Carhartt moment. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do think that that's a really interesting thing about fashion, too, is that those things can split across such big uh, divides. You know, I think yeah. as someone who does wear cars <laughs> and uh, has never had a blue collar job, I still feel like there's there's value in that brand and um, and other similar brands that are focused on quality and have a, an interesting story to tell. Well, it's so interesting, right? Because uh, like clothing, clothing and fashion specifically, like you're giving so much information by what you wear. And so the fact that you've never, you know, like worked a construction job, but you wear Carhartt, like there's something about that you, that it's, you're interpreting for your personal use, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're also really excited about because yeah, we might have a customer in Lloydminster and a customer in Toronto or a customer in Montreal or, you know, Zimbabwe or anywhere. Mm-hmm. And what, our collab shirt means to that person is so specific to them, but something about our brand really spoke to them. Um, and, and you know, finding out those insights is what's cool. Mm. Well, and it, I'm sure it'll be really cool to see, like, the the merch right now reminds me of, like, really cool concert merch, yeah. basically. But mm. how that will evolve as you, you know, work with more people and see what resonates with people. And I love that you mentioned the idea of of taste because I think taste sometimes can be a dirty word. Like it yeah, can it's have a this very hard thing to define. Right. So. It can have this like elitist snobby yeah. attitude about it, but you're using it in a very, you know, kind of more pragmatic way. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, a lot of a lot of what we do is is very strategic and there's a lot of thought put into how we kind of define the foundation of what we're going to be building over the next few years or 10 years even. And, uh, but a lot of it also is, um, not impulsive, but it's, it's from a personal place. It's interpretive and it's subjective and you have to rely on those things where, you know, we, we, as, uh, as the creative team at Oxley have had the chance to kind of grow along with this brand and become almost like filters for it, um, ambassadors, I suppose. So we're able to kind of, uh, with a, with a second sense, develop things that feel right for the brand, as opposed to, you know, trying to shoehorn in, Oh, we have this great collaborator, potentially they're not necessarily right, but we'll just kind of stick them into this like catch all situation uh, and I think that's been a nice thing, being able to kind of grow alongside of it and 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 provide feedback for it just from our own points of view. Yeah, yeah, I would say it's funny because we're definitely the creative team, but we're also such stewards and champions mm-hmm. and developers of the brand in so many different capacities just based on the the newness of our company. Like we are technically a startup. Uh, you know, we've only been around really publicly for two years. And so we're still, you know, going through our own growing pains as a company. And so being able to grow as a company, grow as a team, grow as a brand at the same time. It's, you know, at times overwhelming, but it's so exhilarating. And that's like, I think something that's very um, intoxicating and and really exciting to be a part of. For sure. And we look forward to seeing Oxley as it grows and hopefully having you guys back eventually to talk more about this. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. This was wonderful. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening today. We are so grateful when you share on a high and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you. We would love to hear what you think via Twitter at 
bfc underscore Canada. Until next time, I'm Donna Bishop. And I'm Michelle Bellotto. And we look forward to you joining us again soon. This is Jay Rosenthal, co-founder of Business of Cannabis. This is a Business of Cannabis production.